For those who I may not have met or you may not be acquainted with me, my name is Kevin Miller. I am currently a staff chaplain at Porter Adventist Hospital. I spent about 20 years as a pastor in the Northwest, and uh, then we decided to pursue chaplaincy, moved to Tucson, Arizona for a year and a half, and um, then moved to Colorado, which is a little more familiar to home than Tucson, Arizona was. Uh, it was drastically different going from Oregon to uh, Tucson, Arizona. So we're, we're grateful to be here. Well, this morning I want to explore in our, the time that we have together four truths, four beliefs, four values, and one commitment that I believe is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Christ. What does it mean to live life in an intentional way? And so the first of our four foundational truths, it may seem painfully obvious, but the reality is, is that we are all human. We are all human. That means you get to give yourself permission to be human, as well as recognizing the humanity in other people, meaning that we all have basic needs and wants and desires and we all experience common challenges because of our humanity. Um, some of you may be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're familiar with that, uh, at the very bottom, the basic necessities of life, the needs that we have as humans is food and water and warmth and rest, right? That becomes apparent the moment we're born, right? We start crying, where get me warm, get me safe, feed me, change me, like all these things, right? For our sense of well-being. We have a need for safety and security to, to feel that there's a place we can go. And not every place in this world is certainly safe. Not everywhere will we find security. But do we have safe people in our lives? Do we have places we can go I hope, as a community of faith, we're one of those safe places to come to and to be where people can be human rather than pretending to be um, what they're not. I'm reading a book right now called Blind Spots. Have any of you uh, heard of it or or read of it? It's, It's about as humans how sometimes we'd like to believe we have this wonderful perspective on life, and yet because we're human, we have some limiting beliefs that sometimes we're not even aware of. And they've done studies to show um, that sometimes we unintentionally even try to make ourselves look better than we are, right? Because we're worried about what people will think of us. And so to have a safe place where we don't have to worry about that, I can be me, you can be you, and it's safe, It's safe to be there. A place of belonging where intimate relationships and friendships flourish. A sense of well-being, that I matter. I don't matter more than you, nor do I matter less than you, and vice versa. But to be able to affirm the the dignity and worth of every person um, is incredibly important. And to be able to have a sense of purpose, um, that we're in the right place doing the right thing. Um, is is important. When we do not have these needs met, we act in ways that are um, incongruent with our humanity, right? And we start to do things 
where we may not be safe because we don't have certain of our needs met. For instance, you know, if you as a parent, you know, if, if food scarcity, which is a reality, right, was a thing, you may behave in ways you otherwise wouldn't to procure that basic need for yourself or particularly for your kids, right? There's a, a saying, don't mess with a mama bear, right? Don't mess with her, don't mess with her cubs, don't mess with her, because when she senses that there's not safety, she's going to react in a certain way, protect, right? Whether that's a human mama, whether that's a... We have these needs that are um, wired in our very being. And to recognize and to honor that we have these needs and others have these needs, and that when they're not being met, we behave in ways that can be incredibly hurtful. And again, it's usually unintentional, but there's something in us that's saying, I have a need, it's not being met, and I don't know what to do, and so maybe I lash out, maybe I get angry, maybe I do something in my humanity. You know, one of the the things that I value as a chaplain is coming alongside people who are hospitalized, who I was just with someone this week who said, I feel like life is against me. Have you ever felt that way? Like the, it's just you're carrying a weight you can no longer carry, like everything is pouring down on you and you're like, I can't take this anymore. You're walking with people who um, say, you know, I've held my world together for so long. Not only my world, but other people's world. Like I'm the rock. Like I you know, take a licking and keep on ticking. Like, that's who I am. And now, all of a sudden, I don't know what's going on. I I can't even take care of myself. And I usually tell them, welcome to being human, right? Like, even though we know we're human, there's this tendency sometimes to take on so much that it's almost like we say and admit that we're human, but our actions it's almost like we're trying to be supernatural, right? <laughs> to be other humanly in caring for and taking care of everyone else and doing all these things. At a certain point, we all have our limits and we have to say, enough. <laughs> I, am, I have to set boundaries. I I'm, I'm, can't do this anymore. So recognizing our humanity, that we have needs, we have limits, And it's okay to say that. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you less than. To be able to own your humanity is an important gift you give to yourself and to others. It can be challenging to acknowledge other people's humanity when someone else has hurt us, right? To be able to see this other being as fully human. Maybe sometimes we just see what they've done or the words that they've spoken and we attach words like, wow, what a monster or what a horrible you know, human or whatever it is. And we have a challenge seeing and embracing and honoring someone else's humanity. One of the stories I think about is the story of Jonah. All right? The story of Jonah is incredibly unique. Some might even say it's a bit odd. All right? But here's someone who's been commissioned by God to go and to give a message to the Ninevites. And to be honest, there probably would not be any Israelite who would just be like, yep, I'm in, right? <laughs> um, I want to go on that mission. 
right? Um, I don't know what it would be like in modern day. You know, it was a country they were known for their brutality. Um, you know, it would be like, I don't know, maybe if God said, hey, I want you to go uh, evangelize, you know, North Korea. Um, that's, your, that's your mission field, you know. Go, go convert Kim Jong-un or, uh, or someone of that, that caliber. And Jonah says, I'm not the guy, right? And finally, after his experience of being thrown overboard, swallowed by this great fish and spit on land, he's like, all right, I'll go, I'll go. And uh, he goes and he preaches from, you know, one end of the city to the next, God saying, repent or you will be destroyed. And so he shares this message, and to his shock and dismay, everyone starts repenting, right? The king, they call for sackcloth and ashes and to acknowledge their ways, and then we know the story of Jonah. He goes out and he's waiting. He's just waiting for God to wipe him off the face of the earth, right? Um, to be done with this group of people. And he gets incredibly angry with God. Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1. It displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Right? These Ninevites, these Assyrians, they, they were less than human to Jonah. They were the enemy, and he was okay if God wiped them out like you'd you know, put your thumb on an ant or a spider or something. He was like, you can be done with them, and I'm okay with it. And God says, listen, these are my... <laughs> I created all humanity. These are my people too. These are humans. And so sometimes things happen, and we have a difficult time embracing and honoring our own humanity sometimes we have a difficult time owning and embracing someone else's humanity take a moment think about people in your life who maybe um, are safe and secure and give you that feeling maybe people who it's difficult to see past the challenges the triggers that they elicit in you if you have that feeling or that challenge, there's a prayer that I'd like to give you about embracing our own humanity, but also others as well. You can pray it for yourself. You can pray it for others. It simply says, may I be filled with loving kindness. May I be safe from inner and outer dangers. May I be well in body and mind. May I be at ease and happy. All right? I don't know anyone who doesn't want that for ourselves. And then to be able to give that. And I wouldn't suggest starting with the most difficult person in your life. <laughs> right? It's kind of like if you uh, are a couch potato, I wouldn't suggest running a marathon tomorrow. Like there's building up to things. But is there someone who in your life who has created challenges or you experience challenges in your relationship with them? And what would it be like to just in your heart and in your mind say, my prayer for this person is that they would be filled with loving kindness. 
that they would be safe from inner and outer dangers, that it would be well with them in their body and mind, and that they could be at ease and happy too. And so how do we acknowledge and embrace and connect in a way that sees and honors and grows our humanity together. So truth number one, we're all human. Number two, we all have value, right? There's every single person has value. Our guys read for us this morning, thank you so much. God said, let us make people in our image to be like ourselves. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. I love this uh, quote from Review and Herald. It says, Man was the crowning act of the creation of God and designed to be a counterpart of God. But Satan has labored to obliterate the image of God and to imprint his own image. Have you ever stopped to think about what it means that you were crafted, lovingly created? Thank you for bringing out that the reason we were so wonderfully designed is because of an act of love for from God to you and to me. I don't know if you're familiar with, but there are there are other creation stories, ancient creation stories, and not all of them have this concept that we were created as an act of love. In fact, there's one that says the the gods got together and they said, you know what, we're tired of doing all the work around here. We need to create some people to do some work so we can enjoy some time off. And uh, the creation story that that it speaks of people were created not as an act of love, but as someone who could give service to the gods so the gods could have the good life and the humans would do all of the work of caring and taking care of everything. But the creation story that we find in Scripture is very different. It's, it's something where, yes, work is involved, but God says, I've worked, I've done, and I want to share with you the privilege and the love of what it looks like to be in this together, to be co-partners. The, the thought that imprinted in your very being is the sacred. Imprinted in your very being is the sacred. I hope you know how infinitely valuable you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, who you are, where you're going. You were created in the image of God. Period. And as the creation, the product of the divine love, you matter infinitely. Sometimes we have to look for it a little bit, right? It's kind of like the the buried treasure that was there, sometimes um, it can be a challenge to find it, but it's there. I promise it's there. So number one, we're all human. Number two, we all have value. And this one is very similar, but I think it's really important to state that our value is intrinsic. Our value is intrinsic, meaning that your, your value does not go up or down from cradle to grave, Right? No matter who you are, no matter what you do, you have an infinite value because you were created by God and you were redeemed by God. 
And God says, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, I love you and you have value. This is hard for us to accept and to believe because in our world, right, value can be depending on how much money we earn or what type of car we drive or how what neighborhood we live in or what college we went to or whatever it is. There's a number of things that in a from a human perspective, we have a tendency to to add value or subtract value. But the wonderful message about the gospel is that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your social standing, your economic standing, whatever it is, you have value. You matter. There's nothing that can change that. It's set. (laughs) You were created and redeemed, and your value is set. I love these words from Moses to the people. For you are holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his special treasure. Now surely that would add some value, right? God especially chose you. But notice what he says. The Lord did not choose you and lavish his love on you because you were larger or greater than other nations. You're the smallest of all the nations. It was simply because the Lord loves you. And because he was keeping an oath that he'd sworn to your ancestors, that's why the Lord rescued you with such amazing power from your slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt. I love this balance that Moses says. He says, God loves you and he's called you, but don't get puffed up and think it's because you're better than everybody else. Right? You weren't the biggest, you weren't the greatest, you were the smallest, you were slaves, you were, right? There's all these things, but that didn't deter God from loving you. And I hope you know that. We have a tendency to compare ourselves, right? It's just a human tendency. It's an unfortunate human tendency, but to compare ourselves. And as a wise person I know says, the challenge with comparison is someone will always be the loser, Right, Whether it's me or whether it's whoever I'm comparing it or whatever it is. And so to be able to say, we're all different. We're all different, and yet there's things we hold in common as humans, but our differences don't make us less than. Our differences is what brings about the richness and the fullness that God intended and desired to be. So may you know your humanity, may you honor that we're human, that it's not a problem, it's who we are, it's who we were created to be, that you have value, and your value is the same. You know, um, again, I get to journey with people who are struggling with that. You know, do I have value? Do I have worth? Do I matter? Because... I'm at a point in my life now where I can't take care of myself. Do I matter because I can't do the things that I used to do? All right. For some people, they retire from their job where that's where they got a sense of worth and value and that's they were contributing, and now they're living life differently. And what does that mean? Do I matter less than I mattered when I was doing all of these things in this capacity? And again, the, the beauty of the gospel is from cradle to grave, whether you're, you know, five or 50 or 105 or whatever it is, your value is set. You matter. 
God loves you. You are important, and may you know that. Love is our most basic human value and also our highest potential. It's our most basic human value and also our highest potential. We're all human. We all have value. Our value is intrinsic. And fourthly, we are all redeemable. It means we're all capable of change. It may not seem that way. There may be some people in your life who you think they will never change, right? Some people may even say, I will never change, right? I mean, um, but I believe that as a follower of Christ, it means seeing the humanity in people, seeing the value in people, and recognizing that God so loved the world, the world, not just this section of the world or this people group or this God so loved the world that He gave His life, His only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in Him would not perish. We're all redeemable. There's some amazing stories in Scripture about this. Think about the thief on the cross who was next to Jesus. I'm sure there were some people who probably wrote that guy off, didn't think there was too much hope for that guy. And yet there in the presence of divinity, he recognizes something and he says, I want to be made whole. This is what's been missing from my life. I want to experience love and value and redemption. And Jesus says, you got it. You got it. You've always had it. I'm sorry you didn't know it before now. Maybe you wouldn't be hanging next to me on a cross. But I've always loved you. You've always mattered. You're important. Think about the Apostle Paul. You know, we think of him as this great saint. But you remember the story when he goes to arrest the Christians in Damascus and he goes to put them in jail and he has this conversion experience and then remember Barnabas comes along and he says, hey, I'll take you to Jerusalem. And Paul shows up and Does everyone have a welcoming party? Not at all. They're like, what is that guy doing here? And Barnabas says, hey, I'll vouch for him. He's a different being right now. He's met Jesus. He's different. There's story after story. Maybe there are people in your life who you wondered if there was ever any hope for them. Would they ever make a change? Would they ever? And the answer is not everyone makes that choice. But we never know. We never know. And so we never know when the next Paul will be. I remember um, in one of the churches I pastored, there was a a man there. He was one of our deacons. And he he would sing when we'd go to the retirement homes and different things. He's very active in church. And I remember him talking about his story. And he said, you know, I am so looking forward to heaven because I want to meet my mom again. Because I know my mom prayed for me for years and years that I would live a different life. He had been on drugs and there were other things that were, as a parent, it's hard to watch because of seeing you know, the impact it's having on uh, the person that you love. And so she had prayed for him, for his well-being, that everything would be well, that he would give his life to Christ and he made a commitment at her funeral to do just that. <laughs> and so she never saw it, but what will heaven be like 
when, wow, what a reunion, right? She prayed, she hoped, she wished, she lived her life for this to happen. And someday we trust that she'll be able to see that and have that reuniting um, with her son. So be careful about writing yourself off. (laughs) Be careful about writing other people off. I love what Paul says in Philippians 1. Being confident of this, that the God who began the work in you will complete it. It's not the work I started in me. It's the work God started in me. He'll complete it. So with these four values, we're all human. We all have value. Our value is intrinsic. It's there. And that we all are redeemable. That God has a plan and a love for all of us. I believe then God calls us to have a response of, by God's grace... I will do no harm. I will do no harm to myself. I will do no harm um, to others as well. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Here Paul invites us to see the value in ourselves and each other. Romans chapter 12 in verses 19 through 21. Paul says, Be careful, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right? God invites us to join him in seeing the humanity and the value in each other and to be able to affirm that even when other people don't see it in themselves, right? That's especially when it's important. I'd love to tell you that, you know, I've never said a hurtful thing. I've never done anything to offend anyone intentionally or unintentionally, but that would not be true to my humanity and would be a lie, right? The, the truth is, there are people in our lives that we struggle with. There are some people who we try to live at peace with, and it may be the best thing for peace that we have to love from a distance. Um, the truth is, I put a card in the mail this morning to um, someone who I struggled with in my relationship with them and said, I just want to own my part. I just want to own my part and to be honest that there are things I could have done better and I wish I would have done better. And so what do we do when we come to that place? I mean, we may have that commitment. By God's grace, I will not do harm. I'll, I'll live um, caring for others and nurturing wholeness and well-being. And yet, to our best of our intentions, we're human. And I think that's where the gift of forgiveness comes in, right? Being able to ask and to own up and to say, it's on me, please forgive me or to be able to say, I forgive you. Right? Um, but by God's grace, may we, may we not do harm. I just want to close with a story. that love this story. You may be familiar with it, but it's the story of a, of a young boy who uh, got a model kit of a sailboat, put it together, and uh, one day he decided to take it out down to the docks where he was going to sail his sailboat. And he was so excited, he had a string on the end, and he set out that that boat after he had crafted it and created it and the wind came up and a wave 
all of a sudden, you know how it goes with kites or anything else, that the string, it got um, out of his hand. And he went running down the shore, down in the, the dock, and he was racing after the sailboat, trying desperately to get it back. And he watched with tears streaming down his eyes as it, it sailed away. And he thought he would never see that boat again. He was grief-stricken. Well, one day he was walking in town. He was walking by one of the shops. And uh, he kind of stopped and took a, a double take. And could it be? And he, he looked again. And, and there in the window was this sailboat that he had crafted and he had made and that had uh, sailed away on him. And he was so astounded and excited. He raced in and he told the store manager, the owner, he's like, that's my boat. Like, I, I made that boat. And I want my boat back. Can I get my boat back? And the guy said, well, son, um, that may be your boat, but someone found it and I paid for it. So if you want to get it back, you're going to have to buy that boat back for me. And uh, the young boy, he was a bit disappointed, of course, but he was determined. And so he ran home and he's like, Mom, Dad, I found my boat. And he's like, but I've got to buy it back. So he's like going around the neighborhood, you know, cutting grass and doing chores for neighbors and whatever he can to buy the back that boat. And so finally the day comes, he gets enough money and he the boat is still there. He checked on it every day. The boat's still there. He runs in and he plunks down the money to the to the guy there at the counter and the guy gives him the boat and you can just I mean this little boy just like hugging his boat. He's so excited, and he said, oh, little boat, I sure do love you. And he said, you're mine twice. Once because I made you, and once because I bought you. Isn't that a beautiful picture of our redemption? (laughs) We have value and we matter once because God created us, and twice because he bought us back with his own life. What a gift. May you... Be secure in your knowledge that you matter and you have worth. And may you be able to value others as well.